You're listening to San Antonio Public Library's podcast, Tuned In. This podcast is made possible through the generosity of the San Antonio Public Library Foundation. Our sound engineer is Dan Garcia. Show notes for this episode and other episodes can be found at guides.mysapl.org slash SAPL tuned in. Hello, everyone. I'm Dan with the San Antonio Public Library podcast team. It's a rare opportunity for me to get the studio all to myself, the studio in this case being my den. We have a very special event before us. The Central Library opened on May 20th 1995, 25 years ago, the bright red Mexican modernist building opened to the world, and it was celebrated by a grand event which captivated the imagination of the city of San Antonio. In honor of this silver anniversary, we present a supersized episode of the Tuned In podcast, wherein members of the Central Library staff discuss their memories, experiences, and visions of the future for and about the Central Library. First, Edward and I talked to a very special guest, Library Director Ramiro Salazar. Tim then speaks with Ben Longoria, who is the last member of the SAPL staff to have worked in the defunct Government Documents Unit at Central Library. JD discusses teen services with Kat Fordyce, teen services manager. Ed talks children's services with manager Kate Simpson and Library Assistant Mary Elizabeth Fernandez. And finally, Raquel and Ed visit with Jennifer Velasquez, Teen Services Administrator, and Anna Farr, Graphic Designer, who between them have a combined 49 years of tenure at the Central Library, with Ms. Farr having been present at the building's opening ceremony. Please enjoy the show. I'm here with Edward Mayberry. My name is Dan Garcia. We are part of the San Antonio Public Library's podcast Tuned In Team. And joining us today in the in honor of the Central Library's 25th anniversary is a very special guest. Sir, would you like to tell us who you are, what you do at the Central Library, and how long have you worked here? All right. Well, I'm Ramiro Salazar. I'm the director of the San Antonio Public Library System. I've been with the, actually, this is my second go around with the San Antonio Public Libraries. I Previously, was here from 1984 to 1990. I started as head of, head of technical services. Then I took on a dual role of head of tech services and head of main library. It was called the main library at that time. Mm-hmm. So then I went away, went to be library director in El Paso, then in Dallas, and I decided to come back. So last month, I completed my 15-year anniversary here at SAPL on my second tour. Congratulations. Congratulations on that. So your first experience, you were at the old Hertzberg building, correct? So what was your impression from the Hertzberg building to now what we call the big ranchalada? Well, well, not that old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the old main library is now the International Center. It's oh, on, okay. It's on okay. Market and St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been around, but uh, <laughs> not not that far back. Building you're talking about was the Hertzberg Circus, um, or or rather, it housed the Hertzberg, uh, Hertzberg Circus collection. And actually, I had management oversight for that collection as well. So I know that building well before it has before it was uh, retrofitted to what it is now, which is the Briscoe Museum. But the main library, again, which is now the International Center and which also houses Biga by the Banks. It's the restaurant that's uh, uh, well-known, has excellent food. And that used to be where I worked in, from 84 to 1990. So that was the main library. It was pretty exciting. It's located on the river. It's interesting when I came back to see its conversion to a different facility. So that's the story. So, so having, moved, having first served uh, at the main library and then moving over to the central library, what, what do you remember about your first day working at Central? Well, first of all, I have always been a big fan of the, this particular building. To me, it's more than just a building. It's an art piece as well. 
And we all know who designed this building, the well-known, who passed away about going on three years, Ricardo Legoreta, Mm -hmm. who is a Mexican or was a Mexican architect, again, because he passed away. So um, I was here for the grand opening in 1995, which, by the way, um, next week we celebrate uh, Central Library's 25th anniversary. Uh, so I was here for the opening, and I, I was just awed by the design, the spaces. And uh, again, it's more than just a building. It's an art piece. It's, uh, it's iconic. Everybody knows it. It even has a nickname, the Big Enchilada, mm-hmm. uh, because of its color, Enchilada Red. It's what's referred to. And uh, so I've always been a big fan of this building. I'm, I feel so fortunate and honored to be working here in this building, having my office here on the fourth floor. And so my impressions remain the same. Uh, I'm extremely proud. Uh, I think it's a beautiful building. And I'm, again, I'm just glad to be have the opportunity to work in this building. What's your favorite feature, space, or part of the Central Library? Well, I think, uh, like most folks, probably the atrium with a Chihuly uh, masterpiece. I mean, you can't not fall in love with that space. It's majestic. Um, as you come in, it, 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 it welcomes people. You walk into the door, you look a little to the right and up, and you see it. And uh, it, it's pretty amazing. It's an amazing experience. And Chihuly has a, a huge reputation. So we have people coming from outside the city to specifically come and, and experience the Chihuly masterpiece or art piece, uh, which is our, you know, it, it's our major feature uh, from my perspective. I can't tell you how many times having worked in reference uh, and being assigned to work on the second floor that I had to dodge around people that stopped in mass to take pictures in front of the Chihuly. I mean, that's one of the things that it's a requirement if you're going to go into the building is that you have to stop and take a picture in front of this gorgeous thing. Cause especially at that point where the light is just coming down through the atrium and just sending the colors splashing all over the place. I think that's one of the most magnificent views that you're likely to find in the building. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful centerpiece. Uh, that's what I should have called it, a centerpiece for the Central Library. It's exactly that. So having worked at the Central Library for as long as it's been open, is there any, are there any secrets, any lore or anything about the building that you would like to share or that you can share? Well, sure. First of all, it used to be a Sears building mm-hmm. before... It was converted, well, it was actually this, the Sears building was uh, torn down and this building was built. But it's right across the street from the Baptist. And I remember in the mid-70s, my father was brought, uh, I'm from Del Rio, Texas. Mm-hmm. My father was brought here because uh, he was very sick and was treated here at Baptist. Mm-hmm. And my mom and I used to uh, sit and wait and Sometimes I would take a break and walk across the street and go to the Sears building. And I remember I bought my first tennis racket at the Sears building. It used to also, some of you may know that it had an auto, it's not an auto repair, but an auto shop, automobile shop for tires and things like that, batteries and so on. And uh, I think this building is haunted, quite frankly. Uh, but, you know, I'm not afraid of ghosts. So some of you may know that I often work late and mm-hmm. and sometimes I'm the only one here on this floor. And so I hear all kinds of strange things and I get some things moved around and I blame the ghost. But, you know, who knows? It's debatable how those things uh, get moved around. But I want to believe that there's a ghost here and it's a friendly ghost. And, uh, and so, you know, I wanted to share that with you all. <laughs> Thank you. What is your favorite memory or experience from working at Central? Oh, wow. We've had so many wonderful experiences. Gee, the most recent one would be the last Katrina ball. Uh, it was a wonderful experience, but you know, I can't name one. Uh, I'll name several. The Katrina ball was, <laughs> uh, not only was it a, an event to support uh, our library system. It was a fundraising event. 
to support both the Library Foundation and the San Antonio Public Library. The last one, the last Katrina, was to support uh, Texana. And actually, we got $50,000 for Texana nice. uh, to re-expand Texana. But also having Sir Anthony Hopkins here in the building for another uh, Library Foundation event and uh, have him be part of the experience. And he composed, uh, he's multi-talented. He's an artist. He's a composer. And we had uh, uh, Symphony play one of his pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, having an, an opportunity to meet him uh, was a wonderful experience. And so that was a great event. We also had another more memorable event was when we have uh, Botero here. You know, we have another, oh, yeah. uh, we have lots of art in Central Library. We have uh, Botero uh, down on the first floor. And we had him here also for a fundraising event. And it was a wonderful experience as well. So there have been, there have been many, many experiences here at the Central Library. It has been converted into... Uh, sort of a, excuse me, nightclub, people having fun, but all to benefit the uh, San Antonio Public Library. So I know I, my, my hat goes off to all the staff that had to put, put up with the different uh, changes and moving of items, computers and so on to adapt the spaces to have a party. And uh, so I appreciate and thank them for their flexibility. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, it raises the library's profile, and it also raises money for for the library. And so this uh, building has been wonderful. I was not here for the opening per se. I was here for the grand opening, mm-hmm. but I was not part of the uh, – I understand there was a line of library employees from the uh, main library on the corner of Market and St. Mary's mm-hmm. all the way here. And they were passing books uh, to transfer books oh. from that library oh, wow. to the library. So I was not part of that experience, but sounds pretty cool. And that's one of the ways the books were transported from the old to the new. Nice. So in, uh, in closing, to, to, to finish us off, is there anything that you would like to say to the Central Library on its birthday? Well, first of all, happy birthday. Uh, you still look for uh, look good for 25 years. Uh, you're still looking peppy, and uh, you need a little makeup. Needs a little paint job, as some of you have noticed, <laughs> fading. Uh, so we plan to do that. We want to take care of her. Uh, we want her to continue to be iconic, to be a the flagship, continue to be the flagship for the uh, library system, to be a a, a beacon. Uh, for downtown, as it has been. And by the way, some of you may not know, but uh, very soon we will get a piece next to the Central Library across the street from Baptist Hospital, a Sebastian. Uh, you may know that we have another art, art piece, notable art piece at the Central Library. It's these uh, red uh, kind of mini uh, sculpture uh, similar to the one across the street from the convention center. So I haven't seen the the rendering for the one that's going up uh, across the street in the new circle, but it, I understand it's pretty majestic as well. So I'm looking forward to that. That piece will complement the central library, I'm told, and I'm sure it will. So I'm excited to have that uh, art piece installed by the city of San Antonio. And I understand it will be sometime, I believe, October, so I'm looking forward to that. I'd like to think that that's part of birthday gift for the Central Library for 25 years. Actually, that's the way I'm going to receive that that piece. Sounds great. Well, sir, I want to thank you very, very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us and to share your experiences and your impressions. And uh, here's uh, here's to another 25 years. Yes, sir. Cheer, cheer. <laughs> thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Edward. I am Tim Johnson, and I am here with Ben Longoria, who is the assistant manager at the Maverick Library and worked for a long time in uh, with the San Antonio Public Library system uh, since 2005. That's correct. 
Hi, Tim. Thank you. That, that is correct. Yes, thank you. And uh, so, so talk about uh, where you where you began your journey with Sapple. Well, I started with Sapple back in 2005. It was right toward the end of the summer. It was in August, but I, I started there in reference. And uh, I remember Dan Stanford was my supervisor. There, there were some folks that just made me feel so welcome. Um, that it, it helped a lot because when you're starting a new place, you get very nervous. And uh, so I, I think it, 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 you know, I had a great experience there. It helped me adjust to a new setting. And, and what was your impression of, of Central Library as a whole, as someone coming in new to the, new to the system? Well, I, I came from a smaller library system, smaller town um, down in Corpus Christi, and it was a two-story building there. So coming to the Central here at Sapple, uh, it was an enormous place, an enormous building. And, uh, you know, the colors, everything, and the, the immense size of the building uh, and the collection, it was just so, the floors all filled with different uh, collections throughout the building. You know, coming from a smaller setting to a larger setting, it, it was a, a big difference. One thing that really, really, uh, the Chihuly, the colorful uh, display there, that, that really caught my eye. That seems to always catch my attention every time I get there because, you know, this, this tall um, display of glass, you know, colorful glass uh, catches my attention. I know some people have mentioned that. And uh, when I worked at GovDocs, being right there in front of it, uh, people would always give, you know, comments about it. And they were really amazed by it. I think that was one thing that, uh, that I was impressed with. So you, you mentioned the uh, government documents department and, and uh, I know that that's really sort of a video killed the radio star type scenario. Uh, <laughs> but in this case, it was the internet and the GovDocs department. Uh, what, what was working in GovDocs like? What did, what did you do each day? And, uh, and, and what do you remember about that? Wilson was my uh, supervisor at the time, and uh, Dorothy was one of my colleagues there, uh, a gentleman by the name of Jose, uh, Pam, and Diane. Uh, we all worked there as a group, and uh, it, it was, um, Go Docs is a different creature, because the whole concept of the whole setup is different, but uh I had, I had some familiarity, you know, I was familiar with the area. So I, uh, uh, being that I had worked in that, at another location before, um, I was comfortable with the collection and, uh, GovDocs is an interesting place because you go in there and you see things and. What was your, your most, uh, memorable question from your, from your government documents day? Well, a lot of times people would come in asking about, um, Patents, uh, people would always want, they'd have an invention and uh, they always wanted to know where to get started. And of course, uh, there in GovDocs, uh, we would give a little session one-on-one -on, -one on how to search the website there and how to do patent search. And uh, people had all kinds of questions. Some, some were so excited to share what they had. Some were a little more uh, conservative or holding them back what they had. And, and, uh, but either way, you know, I, I tell them, well, I'm just here to help you, uh, to help you how to learn how to use this website to do some searching there. And, uh, you know, that's, this is basically where it all begins. Cause, uh, if you can avoid, uh, you know, hire an attorney at first, uh, it's better to do your own footwork. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot more cheaper and you, and you actually get to learn things too while you're in there. You know, you get to see what other products that are maybe similar to yours and see what the differences are and, and yeah we get all kinds of questions when it came to patents and uh i learned a lot too while i was doing it too you know it was, it was a good experience so what has changed with with central other than the fact that there is no longer a gov docs department there uh what other changes have you seen uh, since since you worked downtown well, it's been, uh, it's been about 11 years or so, 10 years. Um, let's see, I, I think I left there in 2008. I know that some collections have moved to different floors, a lot of new staff 
I've been on board a lot of the folks that I remember when I started, you know, I've gone to other places or done other things. And so there's a lot of new faces there. So there, there has been some changes there. There has been some changes. Yeah, but I, I feel like most of the changes have been, have been pretty positive. You know, they had launch SA move in downstairs. Um, the connect area gets a lot of attention during normal times. Right, right. The uh, connect area I have seen, because again, when I've gone to some of the meetings there, uh, I have gone by that area there. Uh, in the connect area, so yeah, I, I've seen that a lot of folks do go in to use the computers, and that's great. You know, I think the public, like they know that there is a place where they can go have access for their internet needs and stuff like that. So, and so GovDocs used to be up on the second floor. Is that correct? Where Telref was? Floor, yes. If you were going up the escalator, as you were going up, if you look towards the right, uh, GovDocs was there. And I have to say that was a good location because a lot of folks would pass through there. So after I left reference and I went over to GovDocs, I would see a lot of the staff pass by there and a lot of customers. So there was a lot of interaction. Sometimes people would stop and chit chat on things and, or whether, you know, where something is at. So that location was, uh, had a lot of traffic because of the elevators and so forth. So. Uh, and was telephone reference active at that time? as well uh te- well at the time when i was there a telephone reference was on the fourth floor oh okay yeah it was on the fourth floor see having never worked at central i get i get those things mixed up but i thought it was around the corner from GovDocs. so GovDocs was on the second floor um what are the the differences uh in being in a branch and being at central library well, when you're at, when you're at Central, you, you pretty much have a focused uh, duty. Uh, generally, if you were at Reference, you were at Reference or GovDocs or any other area. But uh, when you're in a branch, make yourself available to different parts. Sometimes you might find yourself at CERC. You, you'll be at CERC collecting uh, a fee or talking to a customer about a concern. And I have to say, though, at a branch, it, it is smaller, so it, you're a little more close to your staff because everybody's together there in that one room whereas at, at central everybody's at different floors different departments uh you may not see your staff or the your colleagues as often uh, as you would if you were at a uh, at a branch i have to say uh, also i guess it could be in any setting but um, when you're at a branch sometimes you get to know your community better in a sense that because it's a smaller building you have more close connection or contact with the public and, and so you, with the regular folks that come in, you chit chat and they'll ask about a book or, you know, what some opinions or on a movie or um, you may see them at a grocery store right there too, you know, and they'll, you know, just chit chat about that. That's what I've noticed at a, at a branch. Uh, it seems to be more personal, in my opinion, at a branch, smaller setting. Right. Um, now in, in government docs, surely you had people, uh, people who uh, were multiple patent visitors or came in several times with different patent inquiries. Um, so, so surely you had some repeat customers there too. Uh, we we had some, yes, we did have some repeat customers. Sometimes people would, uh, on their initial visit, they would come in and chit chat, and uh, many times, you know, they would try it on their own to get comfortable with the with the website and the searching methods. Uh, but then they'd come back. You might see them in a few weeks or a month later. And so th- there were some folks that did come back, you know, and it was good to know that they were getting comfortable with the site. And I kind of felt well, like a personal thing saying, okay, you know, I've helped this person become familiar with, uh, with the government site for patents. You know, it was a little, I guess, rewarding them just to see that they were doing well. Well, thanks for, thanks for chatting with me. I have a, another meeting in just a minute here so okay Tim thank you and uh no thank you for uh interviewing me hi this is JD from the tuned in podcast and today I'm talking to Kathleen Fordyce manager of teen library central welcome Kathleen thanks hi JD I've been there since I believe about 2011 Kat when 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 did you start that in that department um well I've been with the library since 2001 and I started at what was then called Youth Wired, um, 
in 2005. So a really long time. <laughs> 2005? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what was it? What was it, Take us back then. What, what did it look like? What was the, um, who were the patrons? What was the actual physicality of Central's uh, teen department at that time? It was very different back then. Um, let's see. We, so Fox Tech High School is right across the street. And so those teens uh, would come over every day after school. And, you know, the li- when the library was built in 1995, um, it wasn't built with a teen space. So the teen space was added in 1997. And so it's, it was on the first floor, sort of in the corner. <laughs> and it was a small space. Um, and so, you know, 60 Fox Tech high school students would come over after school to use computers because, of course, in 2005, we didn't have cell phones. Or, I'm sorry, we had cell phones. We didn't have smartphones. <laughs> And so they all wanted to sign up for a computer at the same time. And I remember wait, long waiting lists and um, having to sign them up by hand on a on a clipboard and having to call names every 30 minutes. It was madness. <laughs> but it was fantastic that they wanted to use the library as a resource, of course. So, yeah, it was it was chaos, but we made it work. <laughs> and we say departments, and I don't know how much changed uh, since I, I joined and it was still downstairs. But it had always been opened. It, it, there weren't walls sectioning this off. Like, how did the rest of the public react to, you know, 60 rowdy kids wanting computers or whatever? Generally, it was accepted, <laughs> I guess, because they were used to it. But um, there were times, of course, when we would get noise complaints because just down the hall a little bit was where the computers are for adults. So you've got com- adults on computers and then you've got teens after school on computers and um, engaging in activities after school as well. And it, yeah, so there were some complaints, but, you know, we've always been advocates for our teen patrons. And so we just had to deal with the complaints. <laughs> of course. And so you're talking about the after school activities. Can you talk about what programming was like back then? And as opposed to today, today like what's, what's changed, what's majorly different? Yeah, you know, at the Central Library, um, we we did have weekly programs like we do now for teens after school, but we had less of them. Now, you know, our teens in our in our new teen library space, there's just a lot more that we can offer them. Back then, it was like a, you know, nascent service at the Central Library. And so we had really traditional sort of library programming for teens, like book clubs and just very simple things. And, um, and so... You know, we did do weekly things, but it was it was just on a much, much smaller scale. Um, largely, you know, the, the department was called Youth Wired because it focused on the computer center, the computer lab that we had. So that was largely the focus. But, um, you know, the difference now is just it's huge with our focus on responding to what the teens' interests are. So, you know, of course, the, the teen library now has the recording studio and a makerspace and all kinds of things um, going on for teens. And so it was very different, 20 plus years ago. What would the teens um, back then, they'd obviously come and use computers, but what, besides that, what was like the primary draw? Would they just hang out or was there any activity that they did? Yeah. You know, back then, as it is today, the main focus was to come over and have a place to hang out with their friends. So same thing, but just in a space that wasn't, it wasn't really meant to be their space. And so it wasn't conducive to hanging out at, you know, in a teen space. You know, we had terrible sight lines. We couldn't see anything that was going on. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't enclosed, you know, an enclosed space is helpful. One, so the teens feel ownership of their space. They know it's their space. They don't have to be quiet. And they can engage in all the normal sort of socializing that teens do in groups. So, yeah, it wasn't a great space for that. <laughs> but that's why they came. They wanted to hang out with their friends. They wanted to get on computers. I think back then it was MySpace that they were <laughs> on, like, <laughs> night, <laughs> you know, coming over there to, to do homework, of course. So lots of different needs are being filled there. Okay. So in wrapping up, I would just like to ask you for working the better part of those, I guess, 25 years at Central. What what are some Kathleen Fordyce uh, teen department, like, milestones or memories that you're either particularly fond of or that stick out for you? Just working in the teen yeah. Department. Oh, oh, something you experienced from that vantage point. I don't know why this stuck out in my mind right now, but <laughs> I was thinking, I think this is maybe 2006, I want to say, when we used to do, we used to have Dance Dance Revolution 
and Guitar Hero. <laughs> Those were like our first video games that we introduced to the library. And after school, when you had, like I said, 60 to 80 teens there, they all wanted to play DDR. And so the shoes would come off. <laughs> oh, no. no. <laughs> and you can imagine what that, um, the lovely fragrance of that was <laughs> in the area. <laughs> so that was one memory. Those were fun times, though. They really loved Love that game. And that was the beginning of our video gaming adventures at the library. I, there's so many stories that I could think of. <laughs> it's hard to pick out the good ones. One more. One more. One more? Oh, my goodness. I remember when we um, first opened the teen library uh, and we had 150 grumpy cat plushies that we had to put. <laughs> my supervisor and I put little ribbons on them as collars, like, to set them up for our opening <laughs> because grumpy cat was popular at the time. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty cool. We had the entire body of Henry Ford Academy there to, yeah. to on hand for those cats. 150 RD teens. It was fabulous. <laughs> cool. Well, well, thanks. Thanks, Kathleen, for your time. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. This is Edward with the Tuned In Podcast, San Antonio Public Library. I'm here today with Kate Simpson from the Central Children's Unit and Mary Elizabeth Fernandez. How are y'all doing this morning? Good. Thank Good, you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Central is about to experience its 25th anniversary in May. Well, May 20th. How long have y'all been at the Central Library, and how long have you been with the San Antonio Public Library system? Uh, well, I'm, this is Kate Simpson. I'm the manager of the Central Children's Department, and I've been with SAPL about 12 years. I actually started in Central Reference and jumped over to Children's about nine years ago. How about you, Mary? Uh, I'm Mary Elizabeth. Hi, I'm Mary Elizabeth. I've been with Central since 2007, I started part-time and was sent with the children's, and then I went to full-time in 2008, and I've been with them pretty much consistently, except for a brief period of time in 2009, but when I was sent to San Pedro, but then I came back to, to children's, so I've been, I've been <laughs> with children's pretty consistently since, since 2007. Kate, you mentioned that you've been essential your entire career with Sapple? Yes. How has that been with that just been with the central unit, the central library? You said you've been there for almost 12 years. What kind of changes have you seen program wise, service wise and just the structure of the building wise? Well, yeah, that's interesting. The building's changed a lot. Launch SA moved into the first floor of the library uh, during my time. And uh, so that caused an entire rearrangement of the building. We moved all the fiction stacks that were on the first floor up to fifth floor, like we ourselves moved them cart by cart. So yeah, there's been a lot. And I was remembering as well, being on the fiction team back then, we did all our readers advisory with those genre reflecting books. You know, we looked up books and found read-alikes in a print book. And nowadays, you know, we go on the novelist database or, you know, a number of other resources. So that's a big change I've noticed uh, as far as services and physical layout. But Mary Elizabeth, I know you've you've seen a lot more in the children's sphere in terms of programming. Yeah, yeah, the programming um, has shifted from, like, uh, there was more of a focus on, well, now there's more of a focus on the child development and where we are. We evolved with child development I would like to say before there now that we have like the play and learn where we get the parents down to the kids level or they play with sensory bins where before we didn't have that which is which is not that what we had before was bad it's just it's different and it's and it's pretty it's pretty great it's really it's yeah it's really neat um the the, the floor physically has changed as well we have the the uh, low vision center up there the, a few things have been like the, the what we call the castle. Uh, it's this great big monolith in the in the on the floor was cut in half while I was was there while I've been there. So, but things are still progressively changing. We're gonna have the bond project coming up, and we're gonna see how that goes. <laughs> Technology has changed. When I first came onto the floor, there was a typewriter on the desk on the service desk. The public didn't use the typewriter. We used the typewriter for label making, but um, <laughs> the typewriter has gone. I don't know where it went. <laughs> they took the typewriter away. Just to jump in, so I remember when I came into Children's in 2011, finding cabinets full of uh, photocopy crafts, you know, like these templates that you could photocopy and cut out, you know, and mm -hmm. I think 
a little while later, we got a die cut machine where we could churn out, you know, these shapes. Easily. Right. Yes. Yes. We have, we got more die cuts. There, we, there, the, we had the die cut machine, but we got more die cuts. We didn't have as many. When, um, Owls, uh, Alamo area library system, when they left, they gave us some of their die cuts. That was something that was up on the floor that teens now occupies that space. Mm-hmm. Um, that change. Uh, yeah, that was a change that, that we've seen. So yeah, yeah, that's something that, that's different. We have more accessibility with manipulating crafts in that way. And instead of like turning out something that's very, like you said, like by the book. Although craft that does kind of seem cookie cutter. They can still kind of make things their own. Elizabeth, you said you worked at a branch before. What's the comparison between working at a branch and working at Central? Well, at Central, you have more space <laughs> to hold things. Uh, I worked at San Pedro for about a, about two years, 2009, 2010. At San Pedro, there's no space. <laughs> so the, the craft closet is very, very tiny. They're just cabinets at San Pedro. And at Central, it's a huge area that's that's really large so we can hold like technology we can hold supplies sometimes for the whole system we'll hold supplies like lego kits and we can create imaginative play areas so it's just a larger area we can do more more manipulative things with our with our space where at the branch you're more constrained you know, another thing, too, that's so special about Central Children's that we should just acknowledge is is that we get too specialized. You know, we are a whole department, and our entire focus is children and families. And, uh, and that's something I'm, I'm so spoiled that I've been at Central this my whole career, you know, either just focusing in reference or, or children's, um, that we really serve as a training ground for the system that a lot of the new Children's librarians, uh, they'll come in and train with us before they go to a branch. Or we have, at the time, we had the only uh, children's librarian one positions in the system. Everyone else was a children's two. So the idea was that you could start as a one at Central Children's and, like, learn the ropes in this kind of focused environment, you know, where you're, you're just focusing on children's services. And then you could kind of graduate and be ready to be a children's librarian at the branch, you know, on your own. So that was a a big part of. Yes. And and now they've added a lot more of those one positions throughout the system and people kind of just start out at the branch. So uh, that's something we're looking at to, to try to maybe restart that role for us as more of a, a training ground and kind of setting the pace for the system. I do have another question for you regarding the services and programs you offer. You mentioned right now you have more sensory programs, more, parent engagement programs, what programs in the past, I know story time is a big one that would never fade, but what programs in the past are now seen obsolete compared to today? Well, I don't know about obsolete. There was a fun program that they had. There was a tea party that the people, that, that the kids would come dressed up for. I, we had with the, the librarian that used to do it. She has since retired um, and she took her teapots with her. <laughs> I, I think we could still do that. I think the community changes and we have to to keep that in mind. We sometimes will get an influx of like babies. Sometimes we'll get an influx of just then those babies will grow up to be toddlers. And so we have to focus on that community Th- that, that we just like have to take that into consideration when when. When planning out programs, we've always had a family fun program on Saturdays, so that that incorporates the whole age range from from zero to twelve. That program has been consistent from my time being there since two thousand seven to to now. But we'll see how that changes. That might change. We might expand that to different times, or maybe change it to a different age group. But that's up to Kate and the other librarians to figure out. <laughs> There was more of a, like, maybe more special events kind of in the past. You know, they would do puppet shows. and Not to say these are all mm-hmm. elite, but, but services have shifted, certainly. And I know we mentioned, we were reminiscing earlier, my Elizabeth and I, about there would be these Harry Potter release parties, like at midnight, yes. you know. And, and yes, that yes. Was really cool. I think now, yeah, we're, we're focused more on weekly, like play experiences, just the whole, the whole, what do you call it? Philosophy behind what we do has shifted towards play-based learning instead of like entertaining children, which I think was kind of maybe the focus in the past. 
It's more yes. about facilitating their learning through through sensory experiences, like you mentioned, uh, dramatic play. I would so agree. Mm -hmm, setting up that stuff is is the focus. Yeah. Sensory. Yes, learning. I agree. Yes. It's always a good thing to always learn and play at the same time. Mm -hmm. What programs or services do you offer now? And you also mentioned the new bond project. And if you answer that question, can you give us more insight of what changes or renovations are going to happen with this new bond? Yeah, and talking about our, us changing our um, programming offerings for the future, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about how old school we really are and, and what we offer, even though we talk about this play-based learning, and, and that is really kind of cutting edge right now. But we don't use technology, you know, we, we're just in there with the kids reading books, setting up, you know, playing with blocks, stuff like that. But we're, we actually got a grant from the Grehe Family Foundation um, to purchase some robotics kits, uh, a 3D printer. So we're doing a lot more in that kind of maker realm, which is another big trend right now that we're kind of slow to get to but but we're jumping on to now so we're really excited too because the central space in, in children's has not changed since 1995 you know mary elizabeth mentioned some small kind of cosmetic changes and, and we did get new carpet like <laughs> yes years ago furniture has not changed the layout has not changed the shelving and it's really it's showing some wear and tear and and there's just new services uh, we want to provide. So the other uh, citizens did pass a bond package uh, that's in the design phase now. So we're looking at having a considerable play area for children. That's something we hear from families a lot when they visit is they want somewhere to play. And we really just kind of have books uh, and, and some early learning computers. So that's a, a big need that we're going to address. We're also looking at maybe grouping our shelves a little more visually so you can kind of see the breakdown of age level appropriate reading. Uh, we want to redo our story time room to have a lot more built in technology and be really versatile and allow us to present all kinds of different programming, including messy programming. We're hoping we don't have carpet in the story room and we can get a lot messier. That's just some of the things I can remember. Mary Elizabeth, if you've got some other points that we're looking for in the future. No, oh, yes, absolutely. We're looking to, like you said, it uh, towards uh, incorporate that play area with the focus on making sure that they are still learning as they play. And they're mm -hmm. just going well. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a careful balance we're trying to incorporate. So delivery services have changed, of course, with COVID nineteen. What changes have y'all been innovative with? offering program to the public and what are those changes do you plan on keeping when we do eventually reopen? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, everything is so up in the air still every day things change. Um, what we have done so far, uh, we really tried to stay connected to our community. We have a email list of that parents have signed up for uh, parents that come to our story times. Our assistant manager, Shannon Seglin, put together some really sweet, uh, we, we're calling them newsletters. They're really kind of like tips and tricks for parents because uh, we know they're going through a lot at home. You know, I'm here working from home with my 15-month-old daughter, and it's really hard. It's very stressful to do both, uh, to try to be a parent and work. So we wanted to uh, offer some little, you know, simple things, a song, some rhymes, some little ideas for things that you could play with around the house and send those out. We were sending them out three times a week and just little messages from us. The system-wide children's librarians are doing a lot of work uh, right now in producing virtual story times. And we're looking at maybe doing some kind of craft kits they can pick up and, and take home and do in the future. Um, there's a lot uh, being planned, but we kind of can't proceed with some of it till you know we know what's around the corner so we've, we've got a lot of things in the works so thank you for having the opportunity and giving us the time to talk to you we know things are very busy thank you thank, thank you. you so hello we're going to be talking about the 25th anniversary of central library and we have jennifer velasquez and anna far with us today so we're just going to ask you a few questions about your experience so we'll start with Anna. Hello, uh, my name is Anna. 
and I've been with the library for 29 years. I went from working with admin to with the marketing department, and I've been here ever since. <laughs> okay, and Miss Jennifer? Hi, I'm uh, Jennifer Velasquez. And I'm coordinator of Teen Library Services. I've been with the San Antonio Public Library since 1995. Oh. Um, so that's, what is that going to be? I think it's going to be 25 years, right? Yeah, well, obviously. Um, <laughs> I, we opened in May. I started in June. So 25 years. So here's our first question. And um, we'll start with Jennifer. You could go ahead and answer first. So... Since you've been here since 1995, can you tell us how services have changed since then or what what you've seen that has changed, let's say, the most since 1995? Sure. You know, I think, you know, what's so interesting is the building. I think a lot of people in San Antonio still think of us as the new library downtown, you know, and the, the architect um, Legoreta was, you know, such a visionary that he created that beautiful Mexican modernist building. And so it, when you visit the building, it still seems so new, you know, it's, it's just so beautifully modern. Uh, but the services inside, when we opened, you know, were very different. You know, we've just evolved so far. So, you know, not having public computer access, if you can imagine, we opened in 1995, seemingly before the internet was invented, before that was, <laughs> you know, something that was an expectation. So, you know, I think the, the sort of the digital resources we have now and the public computing is very different. And, you know, certainly the building was designed without um, a team space in it. And so, as you can imagine, that's something that I'm very proud that we have now. But I think that those are the major things. And even the way work was divided, there was a telephone reference department at the time. There was a separate fiction department at the time. And you can just see how the use of the space in the building has sort of evolved as our services have evolved. I would have liked to have seen it back then before the internet was invented. <laughs> you know, okay. that's so funny because I have memories while I was in the branch back in 02 mm-hmm. where people would just print for free and mm-hmm. they'll print reams and reams of paper <laughs> for two pictures. And it was, and we had a sign in sheet was a clipboard. So we had to be the, the sign in police make sure people got there off the computer in time, <laughs> their proper turns. It was very wild and archaic back in the day. Right. And the idea I, that printing was such a big deal then, you know, yeah. just like even working with teenagers that they would want to print pictures. Can I print this picture, miss? And mm-hmm. how that's just so different now. Printing is just not a thing. Right. <laughs> right. Thank you so much for that. That is a lot of things. And obviously, yes, a lot of things have changed. Um, Anna, so you wanted to share a story with us about what your favorite thing about that whole opening. Would you like to just go ahead and tell us that story? For me, it was a historic moment. Um, I didn't want to miss it because I was supposed to be in a wedding that day. And I opted to just be a little late to the wedding because <laughs> I, I wanted to attend the parade and that, cause that was, or that was in the morning and it was a beautiful day. And I think what caught me by surprise was the amount of people that, that were lined up on the street. It, it just, to me, it looked like the Fiesta Flambeau, I mean, was going by, you know, the, the float in itself was very uh, professionally done. Um, and so, um, uh, saw Mr. Legaretta on there and, uh, the mayor going by, it, it was just a very historic moment, you know, from, I just felt like we were leaving an antiquated building to going to a very modern building, you know, that had, that was, had some of the latest technologies, you know, and it just, that's how I saw it. You know, the new library was, was like an anchor in the downtown area. We had a presence and uh, architecturally, you know, unique. And it was, to me, it was significant 
I was just in awe. I mean, the amount of people that were there supporting the library. Right. And Anna, did they do the thing where they took the, like a book? Was it like a yeah. book with a book? Yeah. Uh, no, I wasn't there. Can you tell me what, 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 like, what did they do? Well, from what I could see, because I was at a distance, from what I could see, the, uh, I think Mayor Wolf had the last book, or I think he took the last book, and there was like the parade. They paraded from there to the old main library to the new, to the new library. But I, I, I managed to find parking because I really wanted to see the parade here in front of the of the new library, and I, I managed to make it. So, but it was a lot of people. It was just amazing. What was the name of the old library that they moved all the books from? To the oh, they they just called it the main library, you know. In Is that, that the old work building? Yeah, and it's yeah, it was it's formerly yeah the uh, I don't know what building I mean what. What department is in there now? I don't know. So this parade that they had for it, did, did they name it or how did they do uh, like the announcement for that? We had so many people show up. I do you remember? They called it the Magical Book Parade. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was uh, somebody was dressed as a as the caterpillar worm. But it sounds like it was a really cool event to see, and apparently yeah. the, the community really appreciated it as well. Yeah, every there was just like all of San Antonio was there. That's what it seemed like to me. That the whole street was just jam packed with people. You know, it was it was beautiful. Jennifer, you mentioned um, how things have changed so much, and you talk about the computer use is now such a big thing. Is there anything that you remember that is now obsolete that you? that we used to offer that was a high demand back then. And now all of a sudden it's, I mean, well, not all of a sudden, obviously it's been 20 years. <laughs> is there anything that you see now that is obsolete? I know one for sure is like uh, books on tape. You know, that's not oh, a thing anymore. Well, you know, beyond the formats, like you're saying books on tape and, and VHS cassettes. And so like that format stuff has certainly changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think of, um, you know, telephone reference, there was right. people didn't have internet at home, you know, they didn't have internet in their pocket in the form of a cell phone. So they would call the library and mm-hmm. ask, how do you spell amphora or whatever? <laughs> and then the librarian would, um, you know, actually look that stuff up in books. So as you can imagine that that evolution in that the way that transaction worked because now right. people have so much information at their fingertips and even mm-hmm. the librarians that we don't tend to you know you don't have to go to a paper index to look things up and so it to me it really speaks to the nature of the change that that the library has gone through from this sort of uh, warehouse of knowledge, you know, it was still kind okay. of that way back 25 years ago. So mm-hmm. we transitioned from this warehouse of knowledge to really a place in the community where people can come together and explore interests. So to me, that's, I think the, the change from telephone reference and that being its own department, if you can imagine with its own department head and its own staff, um, that that transition away from that really is emblematic of like a change, not just in technology, but in service and in what the library means in the community. What transformations in the building have you seen from 1995 to the present? I know in, in the beginning, Teen Services was on the first floor, now on the third floor. The first floor has been rearranged. You know, just using that example, Edward, of Teen Services, when when I was first hired uh, as a teen librarian, I was in the fiction department, which is now occupied by Launch SA. And so, you know, the teen library consisted of a couple of shelves of books at that time, like tucked at the end of the grown-up fiction. And so that transformation into um, a place on the first floor of the library, which uh, is where the Latino collection is now. Um, We were there from 1998 up until 2015, 
where we moved upstairs um, to the third floor in the new teen library. And just as a side note, the new teen library celebrated its anniversary, its fifth anniversary on May 12th. So, you know, we're, (laughs) we're five years old. It's hard to believe that we've uh, been up on the third floor for so long, but you can see sort of, you know, how in public spaces, like what matters to the community really is what gets to take up space. So that transition into that fully developed Latino collection, which occupied a space for years on the sixth floor, which now is this beautiful, fully rendered community space on the first floor, and then teen services as well, which is now this beautiful 6,000 square foot space just for 13 to 18 year olds, which has really become a a new model of service that's been copied in, in gosh, throughout the U.S. Teens love their teen space and this Latino collection area is really amazing. A lot of people take advantage of it. So I've seen some of the the transitions as well. And it, it is a beautiful sight to seeing the bright colors and whatnot down here. And then it's nice that teens have their own little space. Absolutely. So we have one last question for y'all. Is there anything from the past that you would think, eh, maybe we should bring that back from 1995? I don't I don't foresee any answers being real. Like, yeah, we should really, really, really bring that back. Gas prices and my dress size. How about that? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, those are great choices. Anna, Anna, can you think of, can you think of? Um, no, I mean, I, I just, I mean, working the, Cat, the card catalogs and microfiche and <laughs> then just going to this digital books and ebooks and I don't know I just think it's things are a whole lot better uh, now than they ever were you know and I just think that the librarian's role is is you know continually evolving you know like they've become more like a service leadership to the communities you know I admire the, our librarians because they're like they're like the hearts of the community now you know it's just I, I just love our librarians <laughs> they're all, they always know best like what's the they give they offer the best library services you know available they're always there you know so you're so sweet Anna that's so sweet of you to say that yeah. Um, and, and you know, I think just to echo that, San Antonio is a city that loves the past, but we look to the future. Yes. And, and I think the San Antonio Public Library really looks to the future and, you know, is thinking five years, 10 years out, where will we be? And we know technology will change yeah. and, and maybe the way information is delivered to people in the community or the information needs of people in the community will change. But, you know, I think the San Antonio Public Library just remains committed to to those things we talk about, information and uh, imagination and ideas. That doesn't change, even if the container that the information comes in Uh may change but you know we're committed to that and committed to the community and moving forward and really helping san antonio seize that future that's bright and just be the best that the community can be and uh, you know and to me like for me like being having that historic moment was started was when that when uh the legoretta building you know won the award yeah. And to me, that was like the start of, to me, embracing the future, you know, while we celebrate the past. That's kind of like what, you know, brings right. to mind that, that that's when it all started for us, you know. But I was very fascinated with the old building, antiquated old building, going to the new modern <laughs> building. Right. You're right. It, it's just, yeah, we have a thing about embracing the, the past, but, you know, I mean, embracing the future you know, while we celebrate the past and it's, it's amazing how far we've come. Absolutely. On that, on that note, I don't think we could have ended any better. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and, and sharing those memories with us. We truly appreciate it. And thank you for everything that you do. Edward, do you have anything else to say? No, I just like to commend both of y'all on all the years of service and how, even though, the service model has changed. We do continue to deliver awesome service to our community 
and even doing this period right now, we're finding innovative ways to deliver services to the community. So thank you for innovation. Thank you for commitment to service. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much. We hope you enjoyed this special episode. This is by no means meant to be a comprehensive representation of all the testimonials of Central staff. The Central Library has a large staff with a great diversity of experiences and many tales to tell. And those tales are absolutely worth revealing in future episodes. I want to thank the podcast team for their great work. I also want to thank Dr. Haley Holmes for serving as our producer. And I especially want to thank Mr. Salazar and all the guests who contributed to this episode. Happy birthday, Central. Don't forget to blow out your candles. Hey, thanks for listening. And get connected on mysapple.org with Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Snapchat, Pinterest, Flickr, Instagram, and follow tuned in on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music.